Welcome to Cinemaholics. I am John Negroni, and he is Will Ashton. Hey, uh, John, quick question. Uh, what is this uh, giant crystal ball in the center of the table with us right now? That's just a little knickknack. I brought it with me from Disneyland. Mm. I don't think you've ever been. And uh, why are we sitting on the opposite ends of this uh, circle chair or circle table right now? I don't know how to tell you this, Will, but you are a ghost. Uh, you died mm. several days ago. And uh, some would say you died a long time ago and this podcast exists in two <laughs> dimensions. Okay, so am I like a Casper ghost or am I like a shining ghost? <laughs> Never been friendly to me. Hmm. That's for sure. I, I take uh, issue with that. You've been to Disney World, right? No, you don't you remember my whole thing about this? Okay, I well, I just couldn't remember because All right, it, so okay. Quick recap. Let's do it. You've never uh, been to the Disney's. Yeah, so uh as a kid I was uh you know, Disney obsessive. My parents would notice that even before right. I could read, I, uh, I would know to put the VHS tapes into the right box because I could recognize the logos and I was very picture oriented. So they were like, Hey, this kid loves Disney. Why don't we get him some videotapes about Disney World? And thinking, hey, that will kind of tide him over. We're, you know, kind of simple Midwestern family. We're never going to take him there. But for me, obviously, you're. I'm watching these like hour long promotion videos talking about, hey, <laughs> you should come to Disney World. It's like the best place yeah. ever. Your In dreams my mind, come I'm true. Like, That's great. I'm sold. <laughs> Let's go there. And they're like, oh, uh, so they, they would kind of, you know, lie to me uh, throughout my childhood and be like, oh, maybe we'll go next year. Uh, maybe two years from out. Maybe when your sister's a little bit older. Maybe when your next sister's a little bit older. Maybe when your third sister's a little bit older. And uh, yeah, suffice to say, I have never uh, in my 30 years on this planet been to Disney World, but not by choice. Well, you know what, Will? I'm going to make you a little bit of a, a little bit of an oath. I want to be there your first day at one of the Disney parks. I do. And okay. I don't know. I don't know which one. Because, I mean, Disney World is very close to where my family lives in Florida. And right. Disneyland is pretty close to where I live now in makes California. Sense. Yeah, it makes so sense. So which, which one would you go to? If you if you had the pick, money was not an option or it was not a, a, a big pain point, right? Which one would you go with? I would probably go with Disney World. Yeah? Why, why Disney World? Is it the, just the marketing itself is like that's the one that haunts your childhood like a mansion? Yeah, I mean, the videos that I had were pretty... Disney World Center. I don't know if it was mm -hmm. because it was newer or what, but like I feel like they'd always be like Disney World, Disney World, Disney World. Oh well, also uh, Disneyland's kind of cool if you ever get to check that out. But Disney World, that's the place to be. That's the place to be. Okay, well, well, let's get you there. Let's figure it out, uh, listeners. Uh, if you would like to let's contribute to the Will Ashton's wishes come true. <laughs> oh, make fun. a wish. You're gonna do a make a wish for me. That, that makes you a little bit concerned. I mean, yeah, well, not make a wish. We'll we'll give it a different wording so that, it, yeah, we don't fall into that territory. But sure. It, it must be kind of weird, too, right? Because you've never gone on any of the Disney rides, but you've watched all these Disney ride adapted movies. Sure. I can't even I mean, imagine what that must be like. And that's a fascinating thing, right? Is that like I've never been on Pirates of Caribbean. I can't say I've been on the Haunted Mansion tour or whatever it is. But, you know, I, if I were... believe if you went on them, you'd be like, that's it. Sure. Like, like for real, I think that you're you would just be like, I, that is what inspired these movies. That, but I just get the sense. I mean, obviously, I I can't say with certainty because I haven't been on either of these rides. But 
if I were guessing me, I would think like Pirates of Caribbean. This is kind of like a rinky dink, you know, ride. It's like kind of like, you know, you're on a boat and you look at these like wonky, you know, pirate animatronics and stuff. I'm like, how are you going to make a fun summer blockbuster out of this? Sure. Turns out one of the like greatest action swashbuckling movies of the 21st century. And so, you know, you see they're going to do Haunted Mansion. It's like, oh, that should be like a no-brainer. It's just a haunted house movie. You know, like you just have fun, maybe get someone like Guillermo del Toro to do it, you know, kind of like make like Crimson Peak for kids. But then like Disney has, you know, fumbled the bag with that one with Eddie Murphy in 2003. And just well, like, hold on. I mean, I, I watched that movie in theaters. Was it, was it not even a, like a modest success? I'm going to look it up. Let's, I mean, let's I'm do not a saying here. commercially. I'm saying oh. as a film. Okay. All right. So I just brought up the box office. I mean, it only made 182 million, which I mean, 2003 numbers, you know, that's, that's not bad. I mean, and, and it had a $90 million budget. So yeah, I mean, it looks like it about broke even or so maybe it made it like a tiny bit yeah. of money. I, I'm not saying it was a kind of commercial flop or anything. Sure. So it doesn't really sound like it was a big commercial hit either. 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. We're not playing the Rotten Tomatoes game for that one. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I just, you would think of the two, right? At least those two. That high man should be the much easier, you know, more fun uh, ride to adapt into a film. But I don't know. Disney has had some trouble with it, at least until now. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, well, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. And I mean, to be clear, yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean, it continues like that first movie continues to be really the best case scenario when it comes to Disney turning a a theme park ride into a movie. Although to be fair, I think the the trick to that one was it was just a good movie. It didn't, didn't matter that it was connected to a theme park ride. And you can kind of tell that this movie haunted mansion, I mean, it absolutely is. Cause I know you haven't been on it. It is taking direct parts of the ride and putting it into a movie, but it's trying to do that. I think without making it sort of like stick out so much that you can't just watch the movie as it is. But all right, so this is their second attempt to make a Haunted Mansion movie, one that uh, I'm sure they were hoping was going to be a big success. I said in my review that I, from now on, whenever somebody tell, asks me, hey, hey John, what's, give me an example of a Disney Plus movie, but it's not technically a movie that premiered on Disney Plus. Haunted Mansion 2023 is going to be that movie that I immediately think of first. And I, I went into this one a little bit interested because Justin Simeon's the director and I like dear white people. He did the show and the movie and I didn't like his first directorial or not his first one, I guess, but uh, it was like his post dear white people movie. Um, so this is Justin Simeon. He did a bad hair, yes. which was like this kind of like horror movie kind of mm -hmm. thing. You saw that one, right? Yeah. I, um, well, I definitely like dear white people. I remember seeing that one in college. I remember thinking like, this is a good, concept i felt like it didn't really reach its full potential and i was excited I to check out the putting show it, putting it yeah. giving it like a tv show treatment was the smart idea with that one yeah i never really watched more than a handful of episodes of that show but it, it, it seemed like the smart pool yeah I, I heard good things i think he was pretty involved with that as well right yes yeah um but yeah bad hair uh i think it's kind of like your classic example of uh you know not like a sophomore slump but like kind of like you know like swing for the fences sophomore film uh, I, I think I definitely like it more than you. I, I'm not like the biggest champion of it, but I think it's definitely very interesting. And even though it's kind of messy, I think it works in a lot of interesting ways. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I would, you know, I would give it like a soft recommendation, but 
his involvement with this film was definitely what uh, maybe at least a little bit more hopeful that this would be something worthwhile, especially considering the horror influence of that second film. It's got a great cast as well. Uh, the screenplay is by Kitty Dippold, and the cast of this movie includes Lakeith Stanfield. And I think that's what kind of hooked me. And I did see part of the first trailer. And when I saw that he was involved, I was like, okay, you know, this definitely looks like it had, it has a little bit more of a verve to it. It's got a little bit more of an edge to, you know, what it's trying to do with the, the Haunted Mansion ride and maybe do something a little spookier, you know, cause that the 2003 movie is very silly. It's, it's a very, it's, it's a kid's movie more than it is a supernatural comedy kind of movie. This one is uh, surprising me though, because when I watched it, it was definitely more comedic than I thought it would be. It's a horror comedy and the setup is also very unique. And, and I'll be honest, there are things about this movie where I'm like, that's a good idea. Like doing it this way is kind of interesting. And you can tell that Simeon and Dippold were going for something a little bit different than what you would expect and something that was a little bit looser, but still has those horror elements. But I think ultimately for me, this is a, a classic example of your movie is a horror comedy, and that's such a tricky thing to pull off because it's got to be really good at both. And this one's really average at both. And I think that only amplifies genuinely how just unengaged I was with this movie. It, I watched Oppenheimer right after Haunted Mansion. Oppenheimer felt like a shorter movie to me. And that should be inconceivable considering this movie is, uh, you know, this movie is a little over two hours and Oppenheimer is exactly mm -hmm. three. So yeah, I'm not a fan of this one. I, I found it to be quite a disappointment. But uh, yeah, where did, where did you come out on it? It's got I mean, Danny DeVito in it. How could you dislike it? Sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't do the double feature you did, but I, I saw this one sandwiched in between the Barbenheimer experience. Like I saw Barbie on Monday, this movie that Tuesday, and then Oppenheimer on Wednesday. And I can it's echo... Barbara Mansionheimer? Yes. <laughs> uh, a... Uh, um, but it's like a sandwich. Uh, I don't even know what you would call the sandwich. Um, but you did over yeah. three days. So you should have done all three movies in one day. I should have too. Yeah. I, yeah. I, <laughs> um, you've got, you've got responsibilities, a family. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be an uncle any day now. Uh, Congrats. so I can't just be like, go. yeah, thank you. Um, yeah. I mean, it could even be on this very podcast. I mean, Ooh. yes, we, we have, we are due for the first <laughs> cinemaholics live birth. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, we're like the audio midwives. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Incentivizing the kid through our craggly jaded film opinions. Um, well, literally, as you said that you said somebody could record literally as we were recording this, uh, Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. I, just, yeah, I was Man, trying to well, find what? a way. Yeah. I was going to try, try to find a way to bring that up, but How did I didn't you, want to interrupt. Mm, yeah. Wow. Okay. Anyway, uh, bring yeah, the mood I, down. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, since we didn't really like this movie that much, I guess it's not, uh, mm. you know, that big of a deal. But yeah, anyway, uh, I echo your sentiment as far as yeah, I, I, seeing Haunted Mansion the day before and then watching Oppenheimer, I'm just like, I know this Oppenheimer movie is an hour longer. But if you had asked me afterwards, like not knowing the run times, which one? was longer i'd probably be like yeah i think that haunted mansion movie was like two and a half hours or something uh, <laughs> I mean, uh yeah yeah i mean i think it's just because it kind of falls into like this very uh troublesome trend with disney where like their movies are becoming increasingly busier and more shapeless and it feels like they're kind of coming up with like here are, like the outlines of what we should do for this 
But then like there are some interesting choices that I don't know if it's more the screenwriter or the director. I'm going to assume Simmons is like introducing with like Lakeith Simeon. Stanfield's character is like someone who, uh, you know, has the sort of like ghostbustery interest in the paranormal, but like it's more sort of uh, charred by uh, his grief and his inability to uh, reckon with this uh, terrible loss in his life. Um, and yeah, and then we have all these kind of fun ish characters, at least like fun actors to incorporate in the film. And I agree, obviously, Danny DeVito was the one I was most intrigued by. Anytime he was on the screen, I perked up a little bit. I sat up in my chair a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just kind of feel like none of these cast members get much to do. And like having, you know, like an interesting idea for uh, a lead character in Lakeith Stanfield. Uh, is one thing, but also like as as well. Even though I do think he's giving a pretty uh, interesting and sort of uh, introspective performance, it feels like a weird one to center your like fun dizzy adventure summer blockbuster on. Like this guy who is like <laughs> deeply depressed and uh, you know like reckoning with whether or not there is or is not an afterlife. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a bold choice. I mean, I'm not going to dismiss it, but. I, I don't know if it really uh, brings this as much like enthusiasm and energy into this film uh, as maybe they should have had. I, I don't see. I don't even think the sketch of that is wrong necessarily. It just comes down to the the uh, the execution here. It, all of these performers, I think, are doing fine. You know, I think Tiffany Haddish could be a little extra. I mean, you know her. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, Devito, Stanfield. I mean there's nothing wrong with the performances. Like sure. I'm not seeing, I'm not watching these people and just, and being like, Oh yeah, they're phoning it in. They're not really caring. You can mm. tell they're trying to make something out of this. Sure. The, the problem is that like the, di- their dialogue isn't very funny when they're scared. I don't feel scared because the things happening to them aren't that scary. And the movie even tries to put it on its head and say like, yeah, it's not that scary all the time. I mean, it's not trying to be because it's kind of a looser sort of world where it's not just like a one night in the mansion kind of thing. It's, they have to like live at this mansion. Uh, you know, I don't want to get too much into the weeds of the plot here, but basically they're, they're kind of like cursed. So like if they leave the mansion and they get haunted outside of it and it's even worse. So they're trying to find a way to break the curse so they can leave the mansion. I mean, it's a good idea, but I mean, they just don't find quite a smart way to, I don't know, just hook the audience in. Like this, this movie's missing that hook, that thing that like gets me invested and emotionally invested. Yeah. I mean, I definitely prefer that this one leans more into the horror. Like I think rewatching uh, the 2003 one while I was on vacation, uh, I, I just, I, I didn't really remember the movie that well, but rewatching it, it was just like, they keep undermining the the horror. Like it's constantly just kind of like, they're introducing some like interesting atmosphere. It's really cool production design and stuff in that movie. But then like you just have Eddie Murphy kind of like constantly downplaying anything that could be interesting uh horror wise uh and then with this one i think there's more respect into actually leaning into the horror but i felt like all like the scares and stuff were pretty uh rote and predictable like you just kind of just like and they're gonna turn around and there's a guy behind him now and like you know it's just like it doesn't really feel like there's like that much influence or enthusiasm with introducing the horror elements and the comedy just often feels sort of tired and and limp throughout and yeah i just kind of like i'm fine with i love horror comedies i mean obviously it's it's one of my they're two of my favorite genres and i love when they're infused but 
I just feel like there wasn't as much uh, inspiration here as far as like doing one or the it's not even like one's better than the other just kind of like both are just sort of just middling here unfortunately i i generally am surprised too that disney ended up releasing this in the summer because if they had released this late september early october I, I feel like this could have found its audience you know people who would give it a pass for not for just being kind of average and looking at it as a more accessible kind of hot kind of halloween movie sure. but i think I think what they're looking at is like, oh, yeah, if we release this in late July, early August, then it can be on Disney Plus and time for Halloween. I think that's the idea. But yeah, it seems like a bad idea to me because, hmm. I mean, maybe they, they assumed that this would be like counter programming for Barbie and Oppenheimer. But yeah, I don't see that happening. I don't I don't I don't think uh, people are going to look at this as like, you know, Paw Patrol or something like we have what the, the Saw Patrol uh, double yeah. feature coming up. And uh, yeah, sure. I don't think this is going to. Uh, hit those waters yeah i mean i guess they were afraid of maybe like interfering with the marvels and uh, uh their other november disney release but they that's a problem easily... when you release things year round like this right. i mean and you just can't add hype to the projects mm -hmm. that you already have and it, it's one of the biggest reasons i think disney is losing 2023 um almost mm -hmm. as badly as last year quite honestly yeah, with the exception of um, Guardians Three, I guess They're, they've just kind of been on a, a downward trajectory of late. It's it's not a it's not a good time for Disney in terms of their movies, um, sure. and I, that could obviously change here in a minute. I mean, they have. I mean, I think Little Mermaid was okay, but they wanted Little Mermaid to be a billion dollar movie. Right. Uh, they were banking on that, the pun intended. Sure. And yeah, no, <laughs> not quite. And I think this movie is looking like this movie has a one hundred and 50 million dollar budget debuted with around 30 million it's gonna flop hard and yes. yeah, yeah. how does this movie have 150 million dollars behind it how does a movie like iron man in 2008 cost less than this movie 10 million dollars less than this movie it, it, it to me it's inconceivable like i i just don't understand what's going into these budgets because yeah, it, it, this is not a movie when I'm watching it that I see like a big budget movie. I kind of see like a TV movie with like a better budget than usual. I mean, we are literally just had a uh, Disney Plus Haunted Mansion movie like not that long ago with Muppets Haunted Mansion. That's right. And it was quite fun. Yeah, it was and, uh, better yeah. than this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know what? I agree with you there. Um, yeah, so it, it, it's it's a weird time. It's a weird time. And uh, I, I, I also wanted to ask you, too, uh, in terms of these like Disney ride movies, I'm a little conflicted because, as I said before, this feels like such a Disney Plus movie, but I don't want movies to just keep premiering on Disney Plus because then that's going to harm the movies that they do release in theaters, right? And people will just assume like they can get, you know, this for that and all. But I think we can make an exception, right, for movies like this. Like to me, this feels just like not a big budget uh, or a movie that warrants the big budget thing. So, do you do you think we're going to get more Disney ride movies down the line? I haven't checked to see what else they have coming up. I'm sure they have plenty of other things. Like uh, they're probably going to try to do another Pirates of the Caribbean thing, uh, you know, eventually. Mm. And yeah. uh, I'll, I'll double check because they, they might have some stuff that's even been announced. Yeah, I mean, I was just trying to think like what could they. Uh, adapt of their rides into a film yeah i mean they have space mountain um which uh 
Yeah, it looks like they have the Space Mountain one in the works, uh, Big Thunder Mountain. Uh, they did just do, we, we haven't mentioned it, but uh, Jungle Cruise. I mean, they, they released that, like, what, two years ago? Um, yeah, I think. Honestly, uh, oh, they're doing uh, one with Taika Waititi, uh, and I'm going to look it up because I forget yeah. which one it is. I think of it's the Tower of Terror. Yes, okay. yes, Tower, Tower of Terror, that's the one. Okay, um, I get Tower of Terror and High Mansion kind of mixed up. Okay. Tower of but, Terror uh, got a TV movie in the 90s that's actually pretty decent. Tower of Terror, uh, that that one's at Disneyland? It is at Disney MGM Studios. Uh, okay. I think they call it Disney Hollywood Studios or something now. That's at Disney World, um, but it's not Magic Kingdom. It mm-hmm. used to also be one at California Adventure, uh, cross away from Disneyland, but they replaced it with the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. Gotcha. Well, I mean, well, I also I guess like Tomorrowland was like sort of based off of uh, yeah. a Disney ride, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, eight years ago now. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but they haven't done one. I mean, besides uh, Jungle Cruise and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, we haven't gotten mm-hmm. one since Tomorrowland. So it's not like they release these all the time. They don't release these like they do Disney live action remakes. Sure, but uh, they do have another. So I'm seeing here they have a, another Pirates of the Caribbean film in uh, production right now, or not production? Uh, it looks like it's in pre-production. Uh, but Joaquin Ronning is uh, attached as director. They're going to do the Space Mountain one, Tower of Terror, as we mentioned. They're going to do a sequel to Jungle Cruise, Big Thunder Mountain. And then there's another one called Figment, uh, which looks like it's supposed to be something related to like the Imagineering stuff at Epcot, which I'm sure a bunch of stuff that I just said that you have no idea what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, in theory, I get why they want to do uh, movies based on the, the theme park rides, because it's like. If it's a big hit and people love it, then it's like, oh, we just have this attraction you can go to. And it yes. incentivizes people to go to the parks, which is like a big uh, component. Disney of- makes its money. Right. Disney's money comes from the parks. Exactly. Uh, which so- is why the pandemic really caused a big mm-hmm. like uproar. I think it, it the, all the conspiracy theories for like why Bob Iger dipped out when he did just to come back and put the parks guy at the head of that. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think that he saw like what was going to happen and just mm. did not want it to be part of his legacy. And uh, speaking of which, Bob Iger's extended his contract, so he's going to be CEO for another two years on top of like what he was renewed for, right? Sure. And uh, yeah, he's uh, he rebooted himself. And I mean, that, yeah, solidarity with WGA and SAG. I was going to say, way. I mean, I was going to say, like Bob Iger is uh, kind of in the hot seat right now, anyway, because yes. he's he's one of the big reasons why. Uh, the strikes, both strikes, uh, Saga and WGA are are fighting as hard as they are for uh, equality. But uh, and Just yeah, fair they, wages, right? Sure. Yeah, I mean the the guy. Look, the guy went away, dipped out, um, and you know he's he's worth so much, but he's made so much money from these movies over the years, and he just swallows all the profits. Not all the profits, sorry, but he swallows such a like disproportionate amount compared to the people who make this stuff happen, and it, it, and I think that like the results are just going to continue to be like this, where it just looks like we're getting. I think we're we're due for a season of like just not great movies because the the writers just aren't making enough to survive, mm. and like they're demanding so much from them to make things, and yeah, it, it it's a really bad situation for Hollywood at the moment. Sure, I mean not. Uh, I mean, I, as much as I would like to support uh, WGA, I have to admit, though, with, I think a lot of the faults of this movie kind of just come down to a fairly mediocre script. That's what um, I'm saying. I think that, like, when you don't pay your writers well, I think that this is one of the, like, this is one of those situations where you see the result of, like, when you don't, 
offer your writers, first of all, residuals. Um, when the streaming stuff is continuing to chip away at their livelihoods, they have to churn out safe content. And th- there are a lot of like really talented people who can't be writers. And so it's just not a, right now, it's not a very good environment for creative people to make a living and therefore to create the things that we know that they can do that are good. So yeah, I, I don't full, like firmly mm. place it on their shoulders. I think that sure. like, if they were getting fairly compensated, then we would be seeing a different landscape right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, I definitely agree with that sentiment uh, in theory, but I, I do think that ultimately uh, Kay Dippold is a fairly mediocre screenwriter. Uh, just I didn't want to say it. it. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I uh, mean, I certainly support the rah-rah, let's give the writers what they're due sentiment, to be sure. I, I just feel like this may not be the best example because I just think, I think they hired her because of the Ghostbusters reboot, which, yes. you know, makes sense. Uh, you know, say what you will about the movie, but... Um, you know, I, I think it made sense, like why they would want that kind of energy in this film for a, a reboot of the Haunted Mansion film. Well, but, after Ghostbusters, she did the Amy Schumer, that Amy Schumer movie, right? With uh, Snatched, yeah, 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 yeah. Goldie and Hawn. Yeah, I mean, that's not supporting the argument here. That's also not a great film. I know. That's uh, what I'm just saying. Um, and, and I don't think people really like The Heat, which was uh, no, her I, first film. I hate but, The Heat. I think that's but, an awful film. Well, I think I think the the two projects that really catapulted her were uh, Mad TV. Uh, she was a writer for several seasons, I think, on sure. Mad TV. And Parks and Rec, which, uh, you know, she... I, I don't remember what seasons that she did of that show, but I think she was, you know, certainly like an integral part of uh, one of those seasons. She's wrote, She wrote a few episodes. So, yeah, I mean... Do you ever think I, about I'm how SNL and Mad TV have the same number of Oscar-winning alums? <laughs> I've never looked at the numbers, but uh, that I mean that could be a fun little breakdown. Uh, I mean Adam down, McKay huh? and uh, Jordan Peele are both Oscar winners. Hmm. So. I, I am curious though too, like why uh, Simeon didn't write the film. He did write Dear White People, the movie right. version, and he wrote and, uh, Bad Hair, I think. Yeah, so I I do kind of wonder because you you kind of touched on it too that like the movie has like outlines of like interesting concepts. And I wonder if like that a lot of that comes from uh, Simeon. I don't know the backstory of like how much he collaborated with the screenwriter here. Yeah. How much was him versus her? I don't know because he's not credited as a screenwriter, so we, right. we can only speculate. I mean, yeah. In fairness, I imagine he probably did some like slate rewrites, but maybe not enough to justify a screenplay credit, or maybe else. I don't know. Maybe he just was very hands off about the screenplay. I, I really don't know. Um, Either way, the result is the same. And, uh, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, just yeah. not a, not a good movie. It, it was in development hell for a while. You get the sense that Disney didn't have a lot of faith in it anyway. They didn't give it a huge marketing budget. So yeah, that's where we are. Yeah. I mean, it's just kind of bummer. Cause I feel like in terms of the characters, I can see sort of the Simeon, Sim, 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 uh, Simeon, Simeon. Yeah. Simeon Justin influence. Simeon, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, like the kid in this, I think, is like a very Justin Simeon type character. Sure. You know, he's like a younger version of the journalist character in Dear White People. At least that's how I kind of mm-hmm. make him out. And I wonder if that's like Simeon kind of putting himself. Uh, he always puts a little of himself into his characters, right? But uh, sure. again, for all we know, that could be totally wrong. And that was right. Katie Dipple. I don't know. But yeah. it, it doesn't really matter but that much. What I was going to say is that like, I feel like in terms of direction, it is kind of... Uh, like his identity, I don't really feel like infuses itself in the film. I think it's kind of average. I, I, I don't think there's anything like awful about how the movie looks. And no, you know, 
I mean, it's yeah. a little murky, but that's kind of be expected with these things now. Yeah, I, I think it has like little nice touches here and there. Like it's just it's not a slog to sit through the whole time. It really is just like that. The last like 40 minutes, you really just see it's like spinning its wheels a bit. And it, it makes no sense to me, like why this couldn't have been tightened up. Sure. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is the role that Jerry Leto was born to play. <laughs> a creepy, ghoulish, predatory cult leader is exactly what he should be doing, I guess. There you go. Yeah, the hot hat box ghost. When I saw uh, Jared Leto's name on the opening credits, I was like, oh, oh, oh no. Oh, mm-hmm. no. The summer I mean, of Morbius has returned. Yeah. I mean, very good uh, character design, I will say. Uh, I mean, it look, it's like a cool look. Like, it's pretty effective. It's, it's straight from the ride, really. Like, that, it, a lot of the stuff is straight from the ride. So there is that kind of fun, you know, sort of like, oh, yeah, I've been on this ride. That's kind of fun. Okay, sure. These are things I know. Yeah. Which in your case, you know, uh, I got a, I got a negative review and a positive review. Um, and uh, I'll start with the negative. I like to start with the negative. Why not? So, uh, this is from silent Dawn. I'll say this haunted mansion is one of the funniest movies I've seen at the theaters this year, but none of my laughter was with the movie. Abundant product placement soon became a gag in and of itself. Lakeith Stanfield's character mentioning Baskin Robbins as he cries about his dead wife is top tier comedy. No notes. I had tears in my eyes. It's funny seeing Disney shills go out of their way to make the point that this movie is a great primer for discussing grief for children. Embarrassing. Have some standards. Just keep your kids at home and show them Bambi. It'll land before time, like a normal adult. Mm. This Haunted Mansion movie makes the Eddie Murphy version look like an accomplished horror classic. At least a 2003 film had the decency to scare the you-know-what out of its target audience. And it also featured Terrence Stamp. Now it's 2023, and you can settle in at the multiplex with a two-hour piece of Disney Plus BS designed with plenty of references for 43-year-old theme park nerds. Ugly, stupid, insulting excuse for a children's horror movie, but I did laugh at it. The only thing I really disagree with here is... Uh, let me make sure I've... Uh, okay, yeah. I, I'm not here to say like the Haunted Mansion 2003 movie was you know redeemable in any way i do not think this makes that movie look like an accomplished horror classic whatsoever i would actually say i would prefer this one over that uh, because it has more interesting stuff going on but yeah what do you think uh, i mean well well the 2003 one's shorter so it's definitely a a feather in its cap and terrence stamp in that movie is pretty amazing like it's that's pitch perfect casting um there and i mean yeah i i take no fault with that but um yeah, I mean, other than that movie uh, doing the decent Christian thing of establishing which characters go to hell and which ones go to heaven, uh, I really don't think there's that much that's remarkable or interesting about that film, uh, other than like the really stellar like production design of it and the just the look of the house is pretty great to see that you know on the big screen, especially if you love the ride. But yeah, I mean, I would say they're either on par. Or this might be slightly better. Maybe it's just because Danny DeVito is in this one. Uh, I'm a little bit more charitable to this film. But um, yeah, I am glad that review brought up the product placement because it is insane. Like, yeah, as that review noted, um, there's a moment. Yeah, like a very, you know, pivotal, emotional moment for the film. (laughs) And like, I'm just thinking like, all right. We need a brand to figure out what caused the death of this character. Right. Who and is it's volunteering? Like Ant-Man Ant- yeah. and the Wasp already did like the whole Baskin Robbins thing earlier in the year. So you're yeah, thinking Disney was you, you're thinking Disney was just like, 
hey, Baskin-Robbins, you know how much fun it was to have you in the uh, Ant-Man? It's like, yeah, people still come up to us and ask us, like, is Paul Rudd here? <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> anyway, we have this other movie we're coming up with, and I thought it'd be a really fun idea to kind of have a, a very crucial emotional moment <laughs> involve Baskin-Robbins. Are you cool with that? Yeah, I don't see why that's a problem. Well, they, they probably were like, oh, you know, I don't know. I mean, it does seem like it might be in poor taste. And then, like, the Disney executive, like, grabs him by the collar and is like, listen up, chump. Barbie and Coldstone have july on lock and mm-hmm. so if you don't make this happen with us we're gonna go up and beat your dad <laughs> like something like that yeah and there's also like is it burger king when like there's like a weird sort of like moment when like they're like you know it's trying to have like a, a moment with two characters but they keep talking about like oh i got these like spicy oh, the tater tots spicy tater tots from burger king was that burger king i don't i don't remember if a if an actual restaurant was brought up, I could be just misremembering. There was there was definitely a specific restaurant, and they made a point to show the logo at the screen. I just can't remember if it was because it's been almost a week since I've seen this, so uh, it's not a movie yet. Similar to the two thousand three one is going to reside much my in my memory, but uh, hmm. yeah, some pretty incredibly wild uh, product placement this movie. I'm glad that guy brought it up. <laughs> All right, and I have the uh, more middling review here. I'll I'll have the middling review and then. No, we'll do the positive. Uh, Okay, so the middling review is, the filmmakers' hearts are in the right place and the cast is game, but there's a stiffness to Haunted Mansion that it can never quite overcome. I'm sure the script read great as all the storytelling beats are in place, but the way it's executed on screen is missing something. Like, there's an awkwardness to the set pieces, a certain missing joie de vivre. Still, aiming for quality and being hyper-specific to the aesthetics of the ride is better than the general disinterest of the Eddie Murphy version. I just want to be pure. I love that Danny DeVito will be his character from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and every role he plays from here on out. Keep the man grunting and groaning because it always brings a smile to my face. Uh, That was from Justin DeClue. Uh, yeah. I oh, mean, okay. Justin's a clue. Okay. Yeah. From important cinema club. Yes. Um, so I, I agree with a lot of it. A lot of what you said here. Yeah. I mean, sure, I, I yeah. think that, it, yeah, the stiffness is there and it like, I, I don't know if I agree that the script read great, but maybe just like the premise itself. Like, I, I think it's a good starting point. It's, it's the right kind of story. I think that they want to tell, but yeah, the, the way the execution, that's, that's what it comes down to here. Yeah. I mean, well, I definitely agree that, you know, Danny Cavito could just be doing anything on screen. Like it could just be him quietly eating a banana. And I'll just be, <laughs> you know, clapping, clapping like a seal. Smiling along. <laughs> yeah. um, you show but, that banana who's boss. Yeah. And there's a pretty wonderful scene in this where they're at like a hibachi restaurant and like they're trying to like sell uh, Dan DeVito on this. And he's like getting like food thrown in his mouth. That's like, I don't know. I know that Always Sunny is very good about recognizing that Danny DeVito eating anything is just inherently super funny. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad that that little moment is kind of like a ray of sunshine, otherwise kind of bleak and uh, morose and and uh, sure. just kind of unremarkable film. Um, but yeah, I don't. I just really don't think Danny DeVito gets like that much to do here. And then like I was telling you this off the air, like without getting spoilers, like they hint at him being like a pretty crucial part of the end of the film at least for me i felt that way and then like they just don't do that <laughs> so it's, it's like yeah. Uh, okay yeah i think they do uh, yeah i mean we don't want to 
give too much away, but I think the ending in general, I think is very busy to borrow a word you used earlier. Like there's a lot going on and it, it definitely is more of like a kind of Marvel type of ending kind of thing where like all the characters are doing this and they're running around and then this is over there. Look out. It, it, it's very, you know, it, it's very bombastic in a way that uh, I don't think fully works, but yeah, just, you know, it's traditional now, like 35 minute green screen extravaganza where just people stand on their marks and wind blows in their face yeah, as yeah. character says threatening things. It's yeah. You could tell they all filmed at different times too, because like yeah. they're all just standing in one spot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's end with a positive review though. This is from slim. Uh, so slim said family movie night does it again. Gosh, this was so much fun. Hilarious too. Owen Wilson stealing nearly every dang scene he's in. My wife and I love the haunted mansion at Disney world. And this felt like a great fit. It's definitely going to join our yearly Halloween movie watching rotation. She gave it four stars and my son gave it five. They were both disgusted when I told them it's average rating on Letterboxd. For the record, I thought the trailers stunk. Uh, you saw the trailers. Like I, I saw part of the first one. Uh, do the trailers stink? I mean, I thought the first, I don't know if it was a teaser or a trailer, but the first one's like really strong. Like it made me actually pretty excited about the film. I was like, oh, this looks uh, Yeah, I think that's like what I fun. saw. Yeah. I was yeah. like, okay, cool. It, it's an interesting take on the ride. Sure. Yeah. And I think that one focuses more on the horror and it doesn't really show any of the jokes or anything. Hmm. So I think that's a big help. <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I feel like the other trailers show the jokes and it's like, that's where I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Like I was like, oh, God, who wrote this? And then I saw the screen. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I'm about to finish up uh, editing Pedro Gratterall's review of Haunted Mansion. He did for In Between Drafts. And so I'll probably be taking a look at that trailer that you're talking about because we'll put it uh, as part of. Uh, his review, so I'll, I'll get a chance to see what you're talking about. Oh, uh, yeah. that also reminds me. Uh, did you see any of the like um, State Farm commercials that were associated with this no. film? There's one I saw before some movie. And it's like Justin from State Farm. Do you know that character? Do you watch yeah, commercials? Yeah. It's him going in the Haunted Mansion with Rosario Dawson. And like I thought about that commercial okay. watching this movie. And I'm like, so Rosario Dawson just straight up just made... Justin from State Farm's Life of Hell because he's going to be forever haunted and followed by these Yeah, they, keep, they do that ghosts. a bunch of this where they like don't really care at, at a certain point. Like at one point they're kind of do, but then, yeah. So I just keep imagining like Justin from State Farm trying to sell, you know, uh, car insurance to random people and just these legions of ghosts are just haunting and tormenting him for all of his wa- waking days. And it's just like, I don't know, just kind of a just kind of an odd marketing choice there i guess now i have to think about this yeah yeah we didn't talk about too much by the way too like the the kid in this like his like bullying story and wanting to see his dad and like also being scared a lot of that stuff didn't go super well together it kind of made the kid like look really i think i don't know they do something with the kid especially like later in the movie that doesn't really make a ton of sense it just feels like it's there because the script demands it well and it's not the kid's fault but it's it's definitely i don't know the way he's written i think is kind of inconsistent yeah i mean it seemed like they're kind of going for like the you need to stop being weird and be a man storyline but then they're like we uh you know we sat down with 45 random suburban moms and we felt like that wasn't a a good message to impart on children (laughs) yeah yeah so they're like uh he has peculiar taste but he's good at heart and he, he loves just Marvel needs... movies. Check out 
uh, check out Secret Invasion on Disney Plus now. I wish there was like a whole thing where Lakeith Stanfield comes up. He's like, who's your favorite Marvel character? And he's like, Nick Fury. He's in Secret Invasion. Like, I was ready for it. Well, if you love references to the Avengers, uh, be sure <laughs> yeah. to check out Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Teenage Mayhem, or Mean oh, Mayhem. Nice yeah. little plug. Yeah, yeah, I might be checking that out soon. All right, let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. Well, actually, we have 170 reviews counted. What do you think? What do you think uh, critics are landing score-wise? Uh, well, let's see. That guy hinted at the letterbox score, right? The, the last review? Yeah, uh, but I mean, it was a while ago. It could be different now. All right, but that, I mean, but he didn't mention anything about Rotten Tomatoes, so no, no, no. Nevertheless, I still feel like this is probably going to be middling. Like, I don't think like everyone's going to be hating on it. Like, I don't think it's going to be as low as the thirteen percent that uh, the original Pie Mansion movie has. Okay, but but I think it's still going to be kind of just so so. Like I, I like you said, bad release date, not quite good enough to justify itself on its own merits. Good cast, but to what means, you know, sort of thing. Production looks nice, but, you know, it doesn't, it's not like wow inducing. So I'm going to say between 48 and 56%. I'm going to say 43%. 43%? Sorry, sorry, 53%. 53%. You did much closer at 43. It's 41. Okay, so a little bit yeah. lower than I thought, yeah. Yeah, a bit lower. Uh, yeah, and I think it, it's been trending downward, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what about audience score? So we have 250-plus verified ratings. Um, Probably higher than the critic score, but I don't know if it's, like, super positive. Uh, maybe, like, uh, like, 58%. Funny enough, 85. So you have it wow. reversed. Wow, okay. 85%. <laughs> I, I do th- yeah, I do think the people who are showing up for this are liking it. So, you know, uh, show, showing us critics up. Uh, but let's what, let's test that against Cinema Score. Cinema Score. Um, okay. I was going to say, I mean, was your audience into it? Because my audience didn't seem like super into it. I watched this literally with one other critic in attendance. Nobody else was there. Um, so I sat there and I thought I was going to be the only critic there. Um, I, I walked in and the folks behind the movie, like the PR folks were like, oh, yeah, I think we only had like seven people showing up two showed up me and one other person and in fact i wasn't even on the list apparently i signed up too late but mm. like i showed up and they were just like oh i, I don't know maybe they were like oh good <laughs> someone's <laughs> because, here <laughs> what they, they were just like oh thank god someone's here <laughs> we weren't lying <laughs> yeah so uh and then the guy the other guy who showed up to to screen the movie came in like literally as it was starting so like yeah it, i have no idea how it plays with like a, a regular audience so but uh, yeah. what about Cinema Score? What do you got for that? Uh, cinema Score. Well, I was gonna initially say like B or B minus, but that audience score makes me think it's like a B plus. It is a B plus. Good job. Um, was was your? I forgot to ask. Was your audience into it at all? Well, that's what I was saying. I mean, like, I feel like my audience wasn't like super into it. Like they was it matinee? They got, what was that? Was it a matinee? No, no, it was a critic screening. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Or like it was like a screening with you know, GoFobo. Uh, members and stuff like i mean like they were like laughing at like certain things like but i feel like it was only a certain number of audience members that were like into it like the rest were just kind of just you know not like really emoting or yeah i didn't really laugh at all during this movie unfortunately yeah i mean like i remember chuckling at some things that owen wilson said which i didn't really get to talk about him much i thought he was fun this i i feel like he's another character i guess kind of like gets introduced as like a big deal and then like in the middle 
he's kind of just like thrown to the side and then like thrust yeah. back into the the focus by the end. I forgot about him for a good minute there. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, he's in this, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, you know, very, obviously like similar to Dan DeVito, just kind of doing his thing. But I enjoy when he does his thing. Yeah. I mean, Tiffany Hash is also doing her thing, and I don't enjoy that as much. But uh, I feel like my audience was into Tiffany Hash more than I was, so mm. I'm probably an outliner in that respect. All right. Uh, what about Letterboxd score? We have 17,000 watches, very, very low. I mean, just look at like what Oppenheimer was, what, 700,000 or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is 17. Uh, but yeah, what do you think? Average rating for Letterboxd? Um, well, that guy said it's pretty low, so I'm going to guess that it's misdirect. Like, could be, uh, I'm going to say 2.8. You're only 0.1 off. So do you think it's 2.7 or 2.9? Uh, 2.7? No, 2.9. I gave you the second chance because mm. you were steered, but no, mm. didn't ah, happen. Well, I was closer this time than I was for Oppenheimer. That's true. That's true. Uh, I still can't believe you guessed so low for Oppenheimer. <laughs> I don't know what's up with that. Yeah. You were tired. You, you had a long day. And uh, speaking of long days, that's that's going to do it for us on this bonus show. And uh, OK, so I think next oh, up, this is the bonus. <laughs> I thought so. OK, I, I didn't know. I didn't know if this was the bonus or if Oppenheimer was. The doesn't bonus. really matter. It's like, sure. <laughs> I mean, um, we have uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, which will probably be talking about next week it's between that and talk to me or both uh i also do want to watch uh, the first slam dunk i didn't mention that yesterday when we were talking about oppenheimer and uh yeah and there's also theater camp so we have we have we still have a list of movies we still have to kind of decide uh what did you say you were leaning toward out of all these talk to me uh of those ones i mean i have seen tmnt yeah so i'd be down to do that uh, no. i want to bring mike zeron uh not to uh he's a guest who may or may not be on the show but uh he saw it with me and i feel like he's been wanting to you know be be on a traditional episode with both of us so i feel like that'd be a really fun opportunity to do so since he's a big tmnt fan but uh i mean i really wanted to uh see talk to me and i really want to see a fire which you didn't mention um i'm kind of whatever about theater camp but we're playing at the theater uh this weekend Hmm. so Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll talk about theater camp as somebody who cares. I mean, I'm not disinterested. I mean, it has a funny uh, cast, like <laughs> uh, uh, what's her face from uh, the Bear, Molly is Gordon. What Molly Gordon and oh, uh, sorry, oh, and the also other, Ao Debris is in it as well. Ao Debris was who I was thinking of. Yeah, Molly Gordon uh, from Booksmart and whatnot. Yeah, she directs. Yeah, she's more than stars. They're both in the Bear. Molly Gordon <laughs> is uh, more the star in this movie. Ao Debris is more of like a side character in this but she has she has some fun stuff in it too sure but yeah it's it's uh apparently not doing so hot box office wise no and i don't think it's playing in a lot of theaters anyway so mm. yeah i think it's gonna get to hulu pretty fast sounds about right yeah but all right we'll figure out what we're gonna talk about we'll keep you all posted join the discord if you want to sure chat with us uh just in general and uh yeah we'll see you on the next one from the internet california i'm john negroni and from the internet pennsylvania ooh. Mm-hmm. See you I'm next time. Will Ashton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.